The Sisu Way, Episode 6, The Art of Living. This episode is dedicated to a beautiful soul, my Aunt Elizabeth, who, with a small generous impulse, altered my way of thinking and allowed me to clear my vision and lead a good, happy life. The Serenity Prayer God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace. Taking, as he did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. This is the Sisu Way, a show about grit, character, life philosophy, fitness, leadership, and service. My name is Scott McGee. I am a family man, friend, thinker, and a peaceful warrior with an open mind and an unconquerable soul. Episode 5, Strength is a Choice with Val Volbrol, is the bridge to the Serenity Prayer and the book, The Art of Living. I was thinking about what I wanted to do with the show next, which guests to have on, and in what order. This is something I think about because this show, The Sisu Way, is telling a story. Each episode is interconnected and leans on another just like we do. This week though, I can't get the topic of this episode out of my head. So I'm doing this solo because it is important to me. I have a general rule that if there is something I keep thinking about doing, I do it. Thinking about doing something is not the same as not doing it. Our lives are shaped by what we actually do. So it's better to do what you need to do than to not do it and have a good reason. I also am aware that vulnerability is strength. And what I and my loved ones are currently going through is not something I want to hide, nor do I have time to hide it. I mentioned this on previous episodes, but I want to share what I'm talking about with you. My aunt, who is a warm ball of light, stuck in an organic husk, is fighting for her life. Her husk is failing her. Not long ago, out of the blue, she wasn't fearing, feeling very well. It's flu season, so it's a, a common thing. Well, she went to the doctor and received news that shakes generations. She was diagnosed with stage four plus ovarian cancer. And now it's time to fight. Luckily for us, we live in LA where cancer research and doctors are nearby so she gets the best treatment. She is currently going through chemo and just had a major surgery where they opened up her, the torso of her body to remove what cancerous pieces they could find. Now, I'm, I'm kind of referring to the, her body as if it's like a, a sep separate piece um, than her, which it actually is, and you'll see how it's tied back into this book in a second, but because she's so much more than her body. So I'm kind of referring to it as, as like a thing that she is just currently occupying. So they opened up her torso, big old cool scar in her, and examined her body and took out uh, the cancerous pieces they could find. So I just was visiting her at the hospital yesterday, and it happened to be the hospital where my dad was 
And it got me reflecting once more about the statement you hear me say all the time, and that is that health is wealth. But so is the ability to feel love. Talking with my uncle and cousin and seeing the, the masks that they're, they're wearing recalibrated me on what was important once again. Seeing her on the bed, tubes everywhere, blood dripping out of a plastic bag down into another tube, the gowns, the, the smell there, the hair loss, the beeping machines, the random nurses and nurses assistants and their hospital gowns, the epoxy floor, the clean soap, the sinks everywhere. All of that is dirt. Now I want you to think about this. Think about a beautiful tree. Well, whatever your favorite tree is or, or, or your favorite trees are. A tree is grounded. It's connected to its roots. It bends before it breaks. It dances in the wind. It smiles in the rain. It's naturally beautiful. It provides for others. And most importantly, and what I want to point out, is that it grows through the dirt. Beautiful things grow from dirt. So that is what I'm reflecting on and confident that a beautiful tree will grow from this experience and this episode. I've said before that if you focus on the pain, you suffer. But if you focus on the lesson, you grow. And in my aunt's honor, she helps others grow. And so in her honor, I want to take this opportunity to share a gift with you guys. You've heard me talk about the art of living by Epictetus on previous episodes, and maybe you saw some of my posts on social media, but this is an opportunity for me to reach you. This is one of those books that I, I gift the most to people, answers one of Tim Ferriss's 11 questions. That's an easy answer for me. I actually have a stack of the books right behind me. But I can't physically hand you all a copy of this book. But maybe metaphorically I can hand it to you. And I would like to present, read, paraphrase some of my favorite parts of this book with you. Now this book was given to me by the very aunt that is currently in the hospital fighting for her life. And she gave it to me many, many years ago. And so it feels fitting for me in this moment in time to share it with you. Now, The Art of Living is the title of this book. It's a classical manual on virtue, happiness, and effectiveness. Epictetus, which is spelled E-P-I-C-T-E-T-U-S, but it's pronounced Epictetus, was born a slave in AD 55 in the eastern end of the Roman Empire. So in the introduction, the author or translator of this book, Sharon LaBelle, says that he demonstrated a superior intellect talent from an early age, impressing his master uh, so much so that he was sent to Rome and became um, a student of a famous Stoic teacher. And that Stoic teacher actually favored equal education for women, uh, something unheard of in a society at that time. A little bit of relevant information on what's going on right now in our culture, but Epictetus was eventually freed from slavery 
And in AD 94, philosophers were threatened by the emperor, so he fled to Greece, where he taught and lived the rest of his life. Marcus Aurelius was also one of Epictetus' students. And Marcus Aurelius, who was a, a famous Roman emperor, he wrote of this, of his first teacher, Epictetus, in, in his famous book, Meditations. And he says, answers the question, what did Epictetus teach him? And Marcus Aurelius said, to put up with discomfort and not make demands, to do my own work, mind my own business, and have no time for slanderers. So Epictetus believed that the primary job of philosophy is to help ordinary people effectively meet the everyday challenges of daily life and to deal with life's in inevitable major losses, disappointments, and adversity. The art of living is actually a philosophy of inner freedom and tranquility, a way of life whose purpose is to lighten our hearts. So you can kind of see where a lot of the philosophy that I have and a lot of the philosophy and purpose of the Sisu way is tied into the art of living. And this started, I don't know, probably two decades ago now when I got this, first got this book. But Epictetus had two questions that drove him. How do I live a happy, fulfilling life? And how can I be a good person? Simple questions, not easy answers. But his, pres his prescription for a good life centered on three main themes. Mastering your desires, performing your duties, and learning to think clearly about yourself and your relations with the larger community of humanity. So that is the purpose of this episode. Uh, I talked about Epictetus and this book, Art of Living, and why it's very relevant for me in this moment. And so vulnerability is strength, and strength is a choice, and so I'm choosing to share this with you guys because doing this and the relationships that I have with my listeners um, helps me. So here we go. I'm going to go through this book, so bear with me. There is a whole bunch of stuff I'm going to skip over. I'm going to paraphrase as much as I can, and I'm going to hit some of the relevant topics that I think are important. But prior to that, there is a little bit of a disclaimer about Epictetus. Again, he was a lecturer, but he left no philosophical writings. Fortunately, the main points of his philosophy were preserved by one of his students and historian. And I believe his name is Flavius Arian. And if you guys out there know how to pronounce this stuff, forgive me because I do most of my learning by reading. So uh, Arian transcribed a large number of Epictetus's lectures uh, for a friend. And those lectures also went into other books called, um, one of them being called Discourses, where uh, they were originally collected in eight books, but only four survived. So uh, Epictetus lectures, lectures are among the major sources for our present-day understanding of Roman Stoic philosophy. So that being said, a lot of this book and a lot of stuff uh, that's in this book, again, is, has been interpreted by Sharon LaBelle based off of what she could find from 
Arian's notes of Epictetus's lectures. So keep that in mind. So it starts off with one that I think is probably if there's going to be one lesson, I'm just going to give you the top ones here very, very quickly in the beginning. And that is that know what you can control and what you can't. Happiness and freedom begin with a clear understanding of one principle. Some things are within our control and some things are not. It is only after you've faced up to this fundamental rule and learned to distinguish between what you can and can't control that inner tranquility and outer effectiveness becomes possible. Within our control are our own opinions, aspirations, desires, and the things that, that drive us. These areas are quite rightly our concern because they are directly subject to our influence. We always have a choice about the contents and characters of our inner life. Outside of our control, however, are things like what kind of body we have, whether we are born into wealth or strike it rich, how we are regarded by others or our status in society. We must remember that those things are externals and are therefore not our concern. Trying to control or to change what we can't only results in torment. Recognize appearances for what they really are. From now on, practice saying to everything that appears unpleasant, you are just an appearance and by no means what you appear to be. And then thoroughly consider the matter according, according to the principles just discussed. Primarily, does this appearance concern the things that are within my own control or those that are not? If it concerns anything outside your control, train yourself to not worry about it. See things for what they are. Circumstances do not rise to meet our expectations. Events happen as they do. People behave as they are. Embrace what you actually get. Open your eyes. See things for what they really are, thereby sparing yourself the pain of false attachments and avoidable devastation. When something happens, the only thing in your power is your attitude towards it. You can either accept it or resent it. I'm going to say that again. When something happens, the only thing in your power is your attitude towards it. You can either accept it or resent it. What really frightens and dismays us is not external events themselves, but the way in which we think about them. It is not things that disturb us, but our interpretation of their significance. See, within that, that right there is also why I keep reminding people that strength is a choice and it's our decision to do what we want to do in that moment. Something happens and then you react to it. But in between there is some space and in that space is power. And within that power is your decision to choose strength. Harmonize your actions with the way life is. Don't try to make your own rules. Conduct yourself in all matters, grand and public or small and domestic, in accordance with the laws of nature. Harmonizing your will with nature should be your utmost ideal. Where do you practice this ideal? In the particulars of your own daily life and its uniquely personal tasks and duties, when you carry out your tasks, such as taking a bath, 
Do so to the best of your ability, in harmony with nature. When you eat, do so to the best of your ability, in harmony with nature. It is not so much what you are doing as how you are doing it. When we properly understand and live by this principle, while difficulties will arise, for they are part of the divine order too, inner peace will still be possible. So to add anything, a thought I have reading this one is that how we do anything is how we do everything. Also reminds me that since this book was, these teachings are like 2,000 years old, people are still taking baths. I don't know who's, I, don't, I haven't taken a bath in a while, but maybe you guys do. Events don't hurt us, but our views of them can. Things themselves don't hurt or hinder us, nor do other people. But how we view these things is another matter. It is our attitudes and reactions that give us trouble. We cannot choose our external circumstances, but we also always have a choice how to respond to them. If it is our feelings about things that torment us rather than the things themselves, it follows that blaming others is silly. Therefore, when we suffer setbacks, disturbances, or grief, let us never place the blame on others, but on our own attitudes. Things simply are what they are. Other people think what they will think. It is of no concern to us. No shame, no blame. Again, he says here that accept events as they occur. Don't demand or expect that events happen as you would wish them to. Accept events as they actually happen. That way, peace is possible. A simple thing I think about on that one is if, the, if it's raining outside and it, you want it to be sunny, why are you going to sit there and be angry that it's not sunny as opposed to going out and enjoying the rain because that's what you have? That's the thought that comes up to my head. Simple, simple metaphor. Now, this one is very, very important to me, and you've heard it before. In the aphorism, uh, you will always, uh, uh, excuse me, your will is always within your power. This is something that um, 10 years ago I shared with my mother-in-law. I shared this with my dad when he was deep, deep into chemotherapy. And I've also shared it with my aunt, which is powerful because I'm sharing it. I'm sharing gift back with her, something that she gifted me a long time ago. Nothing truly stops you. Nothing truly holds you back. For your own will is always within your control. Sickness may challenge your body, but are you merely your body? Lameness may impede your legs, but you are not merely your legs. Your will is bigger than your legs. Your will needn't be affected by an incident unless you let it. Remember this with everything that happens to you. And I'm going to add something. Strength is a choice. Make full use of what happens to you. Every difficulty in life presents us with an opportunity to turn inward 
and invoke our own submerged inner resources. The trials we endure can and should introduce us to our own strengths. Prudent people look beyond the incident itself and seek to form the habit of putting it to good use. On the occasion of an accidental event, don't just react in a haphazard fashion. Remember to turn inward and ask what resources you have for dealing with it. Dig deeply. You possess strengths you might not even realize you have. Find the right one and use it. Care for what you happen to have. Nothing can truly be taken from us. There is nothing to lose. Inner peace begin, begins when we stop saying things like, I've lost it, and instead say, it has been returned to where it came from. The important thing is to take great care of what you have while the world lets you have it, just as a traveler takes care of a room at an inn. And something to remember also, and I'm adding this, is that we came into this world naked and with nothing. Everything after that is a privilege, it's a gift, and we, all, we have it temporarily before we return. Avoid adopting other people's negative views. Other people's views and troubles can get contagious. Don't sabotage yourself by unwittingly adopting negative, unproductive attitudes through your associations with others. Now this goes, uh, he talks longer about that, but that's it. That part is uh, it in a nutshell. But certain things I want to point out that um, this makes me think about is what you see on the news and media, what you generally see on social media, uh, what gossip you're hearing at the water cooler. If that's the kind of stuff that you are, you are into, if that makes you feel good, or if that does something for you, do some self-reflecting. Because you might have something going on within you that you enjoy adopting other people's negative views. Food for thought. Everything happens for a good reason. As you think, so you become. Avoid superstitiously investing events with meaning, with power or meanings they don't have. Keep your head. Our busy minds are forever jumping to conclusions, manufacturing and interpreting signs that aren't there. Instead, assume that everything happens, that everything happens to you for a, a good reason, that if you decided to be lucky, you are lucky. All events contain an advantage for you if you look for it. And that kind of leads into uh, a book reference for you. The Obstacle is The Way by Ryan Holiday. Happiness can only be found within. Freedom is the only worthy goal in life. It is won by disregarding things that lie beyond our control. We cannot have a light heart if our minds are woeful cauldron of fear and ambition. Your happiness depends on three things, all of which are within your power. Your will, your ideas concerning the events in which you are involved, and the use you make of your ideas. 
Remember, the real essence of good is found only within things under your control. If you keep this in mind, you won't find yourself feeling envious or pitiful comparing yourself and your accomplishments to others. Stop aspiring to be anyone other than your own best self, for that does fall within your control. No one can hurt you. People don't have the power to hurt you. Even if someone shouts abuse at you or strikes you, if you are insulted, it is always your choice to view what is happening as insulting or not. If someone irritates you, it is only your response that is irritating you. Therefore, when anyone seems to be provoking you, remember that it is only your judgment of the incident that provokes you. Don't let your emotions get ignited by mere appearances. Try not to merely react in the moment. Pull back from the situation, take a wider view, and compose yourself. That page, I could actually, it's it's a page right out of the law enforcement rule book. More on that topic um, on some episodes down the line, by the way, guys. I plan on having tactical guys on on the show to talk about their experiences, um, some crisis negotiators, um, other people within, some psychologists within the first responder realm to talk about uh, pain, uh, emotional setbacks, psychological effects, etc. So uh, really looking forward to doing that one. Spiritual progress is made through confronting death and calamity. Instead of averting your eyes from the painful events of life, look at them squarely and contemplate them often. By facing the realities of death, loss, and disappointment, you free yourself of illusions and false hopes and you avoid miserable, envious thoughts. Memento mori. That Latin phrase I've spoke about before, about uh, remembering death or remembering that you will die and keeping that flickering thought in your head because it's going to make you appreciate life that much more. Implant in yourself the ideas you ought to cherish. Attach yourself to what is spiritually superior, regardless of what other people think or do. Hold to your true aspirations no matter what is going on around you. Treasure your mind, cherish your reason, hold to your purpose. Don't surrender your mind. If someone were to casually give your body away to an old passerby, you would naturally be furious. Why then do you feel no shame in giving your precious mind over to another person who might wish to influence you? Think twice before you give up your own mind to someone that may leave you confused and upset. And I bring that back to the social media, the news channels, uh, the gossip talkers and the trash talkers that are surrounded in your life. Be aware of that. Be aware that that information is soul cavities. Don't surrender your mind. Think for yourself. Do some research. Keep an open mind. And remember that there is good in the worst of us and bad in the best of us. Never suppress a generous impulse. Follow through with all your generous impulses. Do not question them, especially if a friend needs you. Act on his or her behalf. Do not hesitate. 
Don't sit around speculating about the possible inconvenience, problems, or dangers. As long as you let your reason lead the way, you will be safe. It is our duty to stand by our friends in their hour of need. So let me repeat this. Because this is something I've seen a bunch of times throughout my life and has had a tremendous impact. And that is, never suppress a generous impulse. I've seen this on receipts at a restaurant. I've seen them at airports around the world. I saw it up on a wall at a coffee shop. And so that is something I want you guys to think about. When you're going about your day and you see something like someone needs help or someone needs a ride or someone needs $5, someone needs a meal paid for, whatever the case may be, if you have that, that quick thought that comes up of something that you can do for them, do it. Don't suppress that. That is a generous spiritual impulse. Never suppress it. Catch yourself. You'll see next time it happens. Be careful about the company you keep. So this is a pretty long one, so I'm going to try and paraphrase it here. The world is full of agreeable and talented folk. The key is to keep company with only the people who uplift you, whose presence call forth your best. But remember that our moral influence is a two-way street, and we should thus make sure by our own thoughts, words, and deeds to be a positive influence on those we deal with. The real test of personal excellence lies in the attention we get, uh, the attention we give to the often neglected small details of our conduct. Regularly ask yourself, how are my thoughts, words, and deeds affecting my friends, my spouse, my neighbor, my child, my employer, my subordinates, my fellow citizens? Am I doing my part to contribute to the spiritual progress of all with whom I come in contact? Make it your business to draw out the best in others by being an exemplar yourself. Again, how you do anything is how you do everything. Inner excellence matters more than outer appearance. Females are especially burdened by the attention they receive for their pleasing appearance. From the time they are young, they are flattered by males or evaluated only in terms of their outward appearance. Unfortunately, this can make a woman feel suited only to give men pleasure and her true inner gifts sadly uh, atrophy. She may feel compelled to put great effort and time into enhancing her outer beauty and distorting her natural self to please others. Sadly, many people, both men and women, place all of their emphasis on managing their physical appearance and the impression they make on others. Those who seek wisdom come to understand that even though the world may reward us for wrong or superficial reasons, such as our physical appearance, the family we come from, and so on, what really matters is who we are inside and who we are becoming. Care about your mind more than your body. Those who are morally untrained spend an inordinate amount of time on their bodies. Carry out your animal functions incidentally. Your main attention should be given to the care and development of your reason, for through your reason, you are able to understand nature's laws. Study, study. All right, I skipped uh, probably about 15 pages here. 
because I want to get to this part because it is exactly what I was just talking about. The right use of books. Don't just say you have read books. Show that you uh, fully understand them and you've learned to think better to be a more discriminating and reflective person. Books are the training weights of the mind. They are very helpful, but it would be a bad mistake to suppose that one has made progress simply by having internalized their contacts, uh, contents. So books, again, are the training weights of the mind. In addition to that, I want to add that when you read a book, it's also good to talk about the book and to teach it to somebody else. If you can't do those things, then you haven't really grasped the concept of the book. And there's a difference between reading a book and studying a book. Changing gears to forgiveness. Forgive over and over and over. Generally, we are all doing the best we can. When someone speaks to you curtly, disregards what you say, performs what seems to be a thoughtless gesture or even an outright evil act, think to yourself, if I were that person and had an excuse me, if I were that person and had endured the same trials, borne the same heartbreaks, had the same parents, and so on, I probably would have done or said the same thing. We are not privy to the stories behind people's actions, so we should be patient with others and suspend our judgment for them, recognizing the limits of our own understanding. This does not mean we condone evil deeds or endorse the idea that different actions carry the same moral weight. When people do not act as you wish they would, exercise the muscles of your good nature by shrugging your shoulders and saying to yourself, oh well. Then let the incident go. Try also to be as kind to yourself as possible. Do not measure yourself against others or even against your ideal self. Human betterment is gradual. Two steps forward, one step back. Forgive others for their misdeeds over and over again. This gesture fosters inner ease. Forgive yourself over and over and over again. Then try to do better next time. Stay the course in good weather and bad. Regardless of what is going on around you, make the best of what is in your power and take the rest as it occurs. And be grateful. Practice having a grateful attitude and you will be happy. If you take a, if you take a broad view of what befalls each person in their, and appreciate the usefulness of things that happen, it is natural to give thanks to the ultimate for everything that happens in the world. What truly makes us happy. All human beings seek the happy life, but many confuse the means. For example, wealth and status. With that, life itself. This misguided focus on the means to a good life makes people get further from the happy life. The really worthwhile things are virtuous activities that make you that make up the happy life, not the external means that may seem to produce it. Caretake this moment. Immerse yourself in its particulars. Respond to this person, this challenge, this deed. Quit the evasions. Stop giving yourself needless trouble. 
It is time to really live, to fully inhabit the situation you happen to be in now. You are not some disinterested bystander. Participate. Exert yourself. Respect your partnership with providence. Ask yourself often, how may I perform this particular deed such that it would be consistent with and acceptable to the divine will? Heed the answer and get to work. When your doors are shut and your room is dark, you are not alone. The will of nature is within you as your natural genius is within. Listen to its important tunings. Follow its directives. As concerns the art of living, the material is your own life. No great thing is created suddenly. There must be time. Give your best and always be kind. And remember, health is wealth, vulnerability is strength, strength is a choice. You are the master of your fate, you are the captain of your soul. Get up strong and be unconquerable. For more about me in the show, visit thecisuway.com. Uh, social media at one Scott McGee and at the Sisu way. Please give the show a written review, five stars on iTunes and tell at least one person, you know, to listen. This show is about spreading light, making people think and reminding people that they have an unconquerable soul. Thank you. <laughs>